This podcast gets emotional, reflecting years of distress over the silencing of cultural voices. We hope you can listen to this podcast with great respect. everyone, this is Kirsten and welcome to FujojoCast. Um, this episode is in reaction to the tension raised in the fan community over the last week um, thanks to a statement by the Organization of Transformative Works, um, just known as OTW, um, the org that runs Archive of Our Own, AO3. Um, in the last week, they gave a statement on racism and there were some fans who were quite upset about it, some of whom were scholars, and they were demanding more than just a statement, but a real structural change that supports and empowers BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and people of color in the community. I have links on the post on the different statements made on the issue from Dr. Rukmini Pande on her thoughts on racism in fandom, Ticha Mansuri's own accounts on what racism in fandom looks like, um, Dr. Laurie Morimoto's own call towards a transcultural fandom, and a petition to call for structural changes in OTW and its websites. This tension in fandom has led to an interesting conversation last night with my friends who, in our times together, have also experienced racism at some point who in many ways have been silenced by imperialistic attitudes that belittled our cultures or the cultures that we consume. And so as our conversation, our COVID conversation continued last night, um, I asked my friends if they were all right, if I can record um, our conversations for FujojoCast because I felt it was about time that these conversations are heard. With me are some of my oldest friends in fandom, many of whom I met online first, many of whom I didn't know where they came from. And it just so happened that at one point in our fandom life, we discovered we lived in the same city, um, our colleges were nearby, and we're stones throw away from each other. Um, one of them is Roch, and she is a professional in Japan's contents industry, who's now working abroad. Like me, she's one of the organizers of Philippines BLCon, um, Blush. Another fellow organizer for Blush Israel, she's also with us. She insists that I introduce her as a hamster. Um, our other friends in fandom are Creamy and MM, who also joined us to talk about their experience um, as fans. I must say that there is rawness in our conversation, and I hope that anyone who listens to our conversation give us that space for respect. So without further ado, I hope you can listen to our friends um, talk about our own uh, experiences in fandom and the cultural tensions we faced. Good evening, everyone, and we have this interesting um, Pujojo cast night with some of my oldest friends in fandom. I won't say how many years. We old. We old. 
Um, but I'm happy to share um, this little tete-a-tete. This, not sure if it's going to be short, but certainly this tete-a-tete um, with some of my closest friends in fandom. And basically, um, we're here to talk about our Asian experience and the cultural tensions we face in fandom. So um, just a rundown, say hi, and so on. Um, I'm here with one of my friends, um, Rochelle Dumlao. Hello. Um, Rael. Hello. Um, Creamy. Hi. And MM. Hi. Hi. Good evening, Hi. ladies. Hello. Always a pleasure to speak with you. And of course, we are now far apart because of COVID and so on. But over the years, we've um, encountered different kinds of, you know, tension points with within fandom. And I felt it timely to talk about this, especially at a time when um, fandom is facing. Um, or at least we're challenging fandom to face the problem of racism. Just to chime in on that conversation, I also want to bring in um, our experiences as Asians and the cultural tensions that we face. And so, well, let's begin like first, um, just a rundown from Roch, um, Rael, to Kimi, to MM. Um, perhaps what were the fandoms that... Which fandom did you start in, and what are the fandoms that you're currently in? Oh my god! This is gonna be way more refreshing than I I would like. Was... But Fine. while you guys are thinking about reflecting on our long history of fandom, um, my my fandom history is actually quite. I mean, compared to yours, uh, or like compared to some as I know, in this, in this panel. Um, mine started with, uh, my first engagement with online fandom is Yu Yu Hakusho, um, Ghostfighter, or the Poltergeist Report, depending on what part of the world you're in. Um, and I started joining theirs in an ML, etc., engaging with people, sharing fanfics, etc., and having the time of my life with you know, reading fics from other people, etc. Um, eventually, I went to things like Rurouni Genshin, Evangelion, etc. And currently, I'm into K-pop fandom, particularly BTS. <laughs> That's the life I live now, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your life stick? <laughs> I don't have a life stick. Does not count. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get a light stick, okay? Can we just leave it? Like it's a battlefield. Like, like my battlefield. But yeah, mm -hmm. so now I'm into, I'm, I'm still in other fandoms. Like I'm still into BL manga. Um, it's not like I've ever left the Evangelion fandom or it's not like I've ever left so hard. So hard. the Tenifuri fandom and so on. I mean, the fandoms are always there. But yeah. now, of course, um, the strongest one is BTS and so on. And mm -hmm. so, Raj, what is your fan little fandom mystery, short fandom mystery? <laughs> okay, um, so, uh, God, this is going to get so long. So, the first 
time that I actually joined an organized group uh, surrounding anime was when I was graduating from high school and we actually set up the high school's first anime club. So what we would do is we would gather at one of the chem labs and watch videos. And these videos were usually VHS format shipped in from friends in the United States. So after I graduated high school and got into college and um, Okay, so just a little cultural context. Uh, we start college quite young in the Philippines. I was 16 when I entered college, which is considered normal. I know it sounds a bit young to others who've entered college at 18. I mean, we, uh, we didn't have K-12 back then. Yes, yes. We only had six years of primary school and four years of secondary school and then college. So I was 16 when I entered university. And then that's when I got into really like hardcore into anime. Um, my first experience with BL was, as I repeat, a 16-year-old, I watched the uncensored versions of both Bronze and Aino Kusibi, the 90s version, yeah, the better yeah. version, I should say, <laughs> the better version, and, um, other Sorry, now I have, like, images that... of Tia's on. <laughs> I'm in, I was into, uh, Final Fantasy VII. Mm -hmm. Initial D, yes. uh, Evangelion, and Macross. Although the Macross thing, I think it goes way back to elementary school. But anyway, Macross and Evangelion. Not really into Gundam, surprisingly. And then what else? Uh, and I'm also okay. quite, I was also quite big into Western fandoms, not just anime. Uh, I was into Harry Potter. I was into the Avengers, like both MCU and comics. Uh, what else? Oh! Kingsman, where I met the great love of my life, Harry Hart. Yes. Hi, Daddy. Um, yeah, and currently, currently, like, way out of left field, I'm into Chinese Danme fandom. So my Yay. favorite title is uh, Chen Hun, which is Guardian in English, and uh, I'm also a little bit into Modao Sushi, which I can never pronounce it correctly. Modao Sushi. Modao Zutsu. Um, Model which is known as a um, master of diabolism and also the live action offshoot which is Chen Chen Ling which is the untamed that's it okay Ooh, I am old <laughs> <laughs> yes you are <laughs> I will not I will not be uh, doing the the, the the long bit so I I met BL or I I been I, I become from I became familiar with BL when I was in college and starting point is bronze but uh, oh. uh and yes bronze and then i know kusabi and anything else that we can you know ship during that time from from band uh, japanese band members to uh yeah initially uh and then i i really started reading or or engaging online for uh for fan fiction uh basically reading uh harry potter and then i was and then of course evangelion stare and uh <laughs> what else oh and i met i was into uh the man from uncle uh uh man from uncle yeah fandom and then also Chicago for some reason, although I really didn't uh, engage in a lot of fan fiction uh, reading over there. And then right now, right now, 
Uh, I'm also into Danmei, like Roch, uh, Chen Hun as well. It ruined my life. And <laughs> but really it's, it's starting to ruin mine. It's become my weekend watch. So, uh, but it uh, what 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 started really what really started me into Danmei was uh, Mata Shusi as well. Uh, model Sushi, Mata MDCS. Uh, mother I and think the correct way to pronounce but, it. But really, what 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 I'm really into now, and I really can see the end of it was is 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 Chen Hong. So yeah. Okay. That's it. Really I feel short. like this is starting. This is this is starting to sound like a confessional. Hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is like a Fujoshi anonymous. Hi. These are my <laughs> obsessions. Um, Kimi, what's yours? Uh, I started my BL journey during college as well. Um, it's mostly because of anime and manga fandom. Um, back then, I watched Bronze as well. Um, yeah, I know to be the usual. <laughs> With also Kazeto Kino Uta shown in between. Yeah. Some really Ooh, old guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah, yeah. I oh, forgot good. about that. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and also those unmentionables that people seem to forget but yeah that corn cob will never look the same um if you get that joke <laughs> but if you don't yeah you're lucky but yeah anyway um uh, apart from the anime and manga fandom so from bl i also started shipping with i think it's sailor moon ranma yu yu Hakusho, ghost fighter however you call it um but one of my biggest obsession was actually Hikaru no Go as a fandom because I actually wrote fic for Hikago back then, which is something big for me because I don't. <laughs> links, links, I don't links. Write. No. no, we know where they are. <laughs> I, I already forget that. And also Vice Crush. Oh my God. Oh no. Vice Crush. Yeah. Yes. Oh my I, God. I, yeah, I, actually saw, well. I actually first met <laughs> your handle, Kimi, on a Vice Crush mailing list. Uh, 
and oh. then uh, mostly 80s cartoons and then Ray Earth came because it was the only one that was shown in local TV on Sundays and I had to argue with my grandfather because he wants to watch <laughs> classic films but I want to watch Ray Earth because you know I don't know when Lantis and Eagle would hook up and then you know <laughs> there as well. <laughs> it was a very pivotal um, part of the series that I didn't want to miss but he wanted to watch Seven Samurai, so, you know. My God, you even, watched... wait, wait, wait. Like the Akira Kurosawa Seven Samurai, you actually had yeah. it? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It was show. You know, the, the... It was show. Cable. Cable. No, I know, so... but I didn't think that, you know, you, at that time, you would explore the BL potential of Akira Kurosawa Seven Samurai. Yeah. Why not? They're handsome. <laughs> I mean, there is um, an academic who basically said, who basically did this research where, and this is true, I laughed when I read this because I remember at one point, Roch actually gave me a book on Japanese literature and said, this is like the best BL of all. And it was Natsume's uh, Kokoro. I have a confession to make about those those Japanese uh, literary books that I've been passing oh, people yeah. around back Wait, in no, college. this is not time for your criminal confession, okay? Later, later. I stole those from a library at school. Yay! And then she left it at my house and like, Kirsten, you have to read this. It's like the best BL literature. But yeah, it's it's like the same thing. The way you saw Seven Samurai having BL potential. This author was also saying like, you know, when you read Natsume's Kokoro, there's like mm-hmm. an entire BL potential there. And, you know, it smells mm-hmm. and reeks of BL. Not, not, not just not, uh, Natsume, not, not I mean, just yeah. Kokoro. The Yukio Mishima books are also... Well, actually, the entire UP library was 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 rife with BL material, but it's not. Wasn't BL that then. Death in Venice? No, but Death in Venice is actually um, that's an entire BL history there um, with um, what you call that's this with the the boy that that boy who eventually became the face of the Bishonen. Um, uh. And then, Em, what are yeah. your current fandoms? Did were there any big fandoms that you participated in? Uh, currently, let me think. <laughs> um, I'm into Garden as well, uh, by extension because of Creamy. But currently, I'm into Cybl. <laughs> I think everybody, everything is Creamy's fault, you know. What? Yes. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I have a chat with Creamy, and her name there is Life Ruiners. <laughs> We were on the one point. Yes. But yeah, um, so you're currently into side BL as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's currently into side BL, but um, I'm more of the introverted member of the group here. Uh, but in terms of mecha, I like the um, how do you say that um, androgynous feel of five star stories. So I actually followed uh, by uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I that think Mecca with heels. <laughs> the heels really got me. 
Mecca could actually be that big, fight a big war, decide on the battle, who, who, who wins, with the heels. So that's yeah. one thing that I really yeah. like. And then the fashion of all the people mm -hmm. in Five Star Stories as well. Yeah. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's one thing I follow as well up until now. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Right? So now we really come from different points of fandom and we've had because of it now we have different I mean different experiences at one point we meet like hey didn't I meet you um, at one point we all got into LJ and, and maybe we weren't friends yet or maybe eventually we became friends but the funny thing is we will recognize each other's names when we enter into communities and fandoms right and we said oh I know yeah. this person's name I know that person's name and then Etc. And so we have like this long fandom history, and and mm -hmm. yeah. So the topic today is really what I wanted to talk with you, ladies, is that um, you know, in our experience with engaging with fandom online, um, mm -hmm. we experience some kind of cultural tension. Like just to maybe jumpstart a conversation, um, one of the most eye-opening moments for me in fandom is. Uh, at one point, I got really hooked into fan art, and I was mm. really hooked into Tenibury. I was chasing after all of these um, fantastic artists who are now professionals, re ranging from Takarairi Hito. Wait, did she do? Did she do Tenibury? Um, who did Tenibury? The one who did Kate Kazuma, Koda Kazuma Kodaka, etc. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and they would have like. Their fan websites, you know, for for this particular fandom, and we would search for it in places like Sorpara and so on. And I remember, in my search for these fan art, I would find websites that are locked in language, in, in Japanese, and you know, you have to understand Japanese in order to, you know navigate that website and find the image, you know, look for the clues. I left the password at this part of the website and everything is in mm. in detailed Japanese. It's no longer it I remember it was as easy as putting the it started with things like it's as easy as putting the name of the ship. And then eventually it became really, really complicated because <laughs> they're noticing that, you know, they're um, artworks are being distributed out of hand. And of course they're being distributed globally in other websites and usually in English language websites. So that was like my first awakening to cultural tension. I was like, why did they have to do this? And eventually, as I learned the Japanese language, as I spoke in, oh my God, I can't believe back then I did, I went to new channel for things. Um, but, you know, you could see there the tension between um, Japanese fans and fans, um, English language speaking fans. I don't want to, I mean, I can say we, we, we freely describe it as Western fans, but it's hard to really tag it because sometimes they're not even from the West. Sometimes they're close to home. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's, but it's more of that Western mindset, you know, this very like you're doing something wrong and I don't want, you know, you're, you're, the way that you do fandom is wrong by my perspective, but wrong by my morals. And like, Roch, do you have any insights on this or your own experiences? Um, 
I'd rather not specifically mention an incident, but it's just, you know, a number of things that happened over the years. Like, um, like I said, I used to be really big into some Western fandoms such as the Avengers or Harry Potter or Kingsman. And as an Asian coming into a Western space, I always did my best to try to adapt to their culture. Like, even if something didn't sit right with me, I would say, oh, maybe it's okay by their standards. So I shouldn't um, impose my own um, morals or values in this, well, in particular in fan fiction. But what really doesn't strike me as right is when it's these Western fans come into the Asian fandom, such as anime or danme, they try to impose their own set of values on what is uh, created and consumed by Asians for themselves. So like, okay, um, let's say, okay, for example, in anime fandom, like, you know how you buy the jinshi and then suddenly the male characters are all female. Now, if you were Asian, say Japanese or Korean or even us Filipinos, we don't care. Like, okay, I just want to read the jinshi where in the entire crew of Gundam Wing are all girls. But yeah. for someone coming in from a Western perspective, they want all sorts of explanations like, oh, did they go to a psychologist and talk about their male to female um, transition? Are they taking drugs? Do they have support? And I'm like, I don't want to know about these things. All I want to see is <laughs> Gundam Wing was completely, you know, the world of Gundam Wing was completely, uh, um, uh, it was entirely female, you know? Yeah. So it gets tiring after a while that I have to adapt to their culture, but they don't want to adapt to mine. So I'm like, yeah. I'm too tired and to deal with this. I would rather just deal with fellow Asian fans. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, that's fair. Because I remember um, there are, in, in the same light, like the way you describe that instance where you have, fans arguing like you know you can't and and it's a not that i am under um valuing the, the politics of trans bodies in fandom and the proper representation of trans bodies in fandom um and that is you know they can ask for that but what i don't like is when they reach a point where they impose and harass um, yes, and, and exactly. we've seen and we've seen that we've seen it on Twitter, etc. The impulse. We've seen it as recently as you know the Sailor Moon Sailor Moon redraw hashtag, wherein we have all of these amazing, fun Japanese artists drawing Sailor Moon in their style, and then we have like one person saying it. Oh, why is she white? No, she's not I white. Know. She's Japanese with blonde hair. How hard is yeah. that to understand? And the thing is, yeah. And the thing is, for example, going back to the trans body thing is that I think what some of these English-speaking fans don't understand is that there's also a long history of gender play in Japanese and Chinese culture, in Asian culture, yes. mm -hmm. and that these transitions are often expressed in fiction. They're not necessarily undergoing through this process of um, transforming um, their bodies, you know, in alignment with the way trans bodies work or the way trans bodies um, transition in reality. It's always been in this vague sense of fiction and it's always been a part of our culture and this is why for us, this is normal. This is 
something that you know is fun, etc. I mean, um, it's more easily accepted, even without overly complicated explanations. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. Um, Kimi, do you have something to say it as well? Me, like, um, it reminds me of when they read Dan May or when they watch Dan May BL. Um, I've seen Western fans like saying, oh, these girls who like this and that are saying, they're over misuse of the word Pujoshi. Like, they've made it into something like, oh, this girl that fetishizes MM relationships. And like, please, just please, stop using that. Stop appropriating a word where you don't even know what the history of that word is. You're just using it for your own terms. I've seen that thrown so many times in these courses, may it be anime or manga, Voltron fandom really, really, really tested my patience when it comes to the use, one, use of that word. Are you referring to the new just one? Want to the check. new one. Okay, <laughs> okay so the new one, Voltron. The new one. The, the, the one that was, the one who, that was shown in Netflix. Yeah. That one. Oh my God. I swear, <laughs> I've never seen so much entitlement in my life. The entitlement in, of that fandom in general, the Western fandom, like in in what in what way? Like um, you have these other Asian fans. I understand these Asian fans who got into it because they were old fans of the old work, which yeah was Voltron or Go Lions, if you will, if you will. So they wanted to watch this. So they enjoyed it in their own terms. And they drew fan art. And you know how Japanese fan art goes, how Korean fan art goes. Um, they don't really care much about age gap. But oh my god, the discourse in age gap, it seems that there's a disconnect with how Asians see that age, the age gap thing. And then, and how when Asians portray the relationships of these people, of the characters, it's like as though when Western fans see, see those portrayals, they feel like, oh, that's wrong. That's not how this relationship is supposed to go. Okay, but you know, we're allowed to interpret this as on our own terms and our own cultural context, not just yours. But I've seen mm -hmm. so many Western, well, fine, English speaking fans with the Western mindset of imposing their own, um, their own values quote unquote uh, into that so it's yeah like I, I can imagine already like issues on grooming um, exactly. emerging from that kind of narrative like oh my god why are you creating like this grooming fanfic or this grooming fan art of this old guy you know but when you um, look at it it's not really but from an Asian perspective the age gap isn't that huge Considering that it's quite normal in, I mean, you know, our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation, it's quite normal for them to have, like, the, like for married couples, for example, the male in the couple would be 20 years older than the female in the couple. So it's also a cultural disconnect because for us, we see this as normal, but from a completely different perspective coming from the West, they think that it's, okay, I'm going to say the P word, pedophilia. So, 
we are talking about age gaps and this is very tricky very very tricky because we're now in this age of like me too movement we want and and you know sexual predators they're gonna look for the kid the kids they love i mean there's this entire documentary series and other netflix shows just talking about these sexual predators and it is mm. to say you know um a culture you know mm -hmm. um it's within asian culture it also has its roots in um western culture real you wanted to say something about um age gaps oh uh, yeah when it comes to age gap uh, i i think i also see that before uh, in western culture uh not necessarily in bl but more into you know when most of us are familiar with romance novels and uh some of the romance novels uh those that were in uh that were popular during the late 80s and the 90s uh some of them even the heterosexual, uh, the heterosexual ones, of course, uh, the female lead is like 18, and there's a blatant gap between that age, age and 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 the male lead, which is around 30 and 32. And the concept is uh, um, from from modern times and uh, even in the Regency period drama, uh, not dramas, <laughs> period uh, romance novels. And also, uh, there is also the concept of uh, pederastry. Uh, and you can see this uh, in the novels of Mary Renault. But it's, it's technically, it, I, I don't see, I don't think it's really BL, but it really has that concept of male and male relationship that goes beyond, you know, teacher and student. Uh, and there is the concept of of, uh, of something more intimate than the, than the teacher-student relationship, and this is uh, during the Greek period. Uh, and then, of course, there is uh, another Mary Renault novel. That's really not not really pederastry. It's more like uh, master servant or 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 the conquer conquered and the conqueror between. Um, uh, uh, Alexander the Great and I, I forgot his name. Uh, his his Bagoas in the Persian Boy. So there's also that the age gap over there. No way. No, no, no. no, no. Bagoas. Bagoas. Sorry, I wasn't Bagoas. thinking of the Persian. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I almost said Bucephalus then, and I remembered he was the horse. Uh, <laughs> yes, he is the horse. <laughs> That's a totally different thing. Person. Different kind of writing. <laughs> Same novel, different thing. But yeah, but but the conquerors and the I mean, there are people who are in that thing. I mean, look. Mm, I know, and, I know. And with that, yeah. I mean, for me on my end, they are part of a his a history. Like it, it makes sense because it was of a particular time. I'm not sure if i would still feel comfortable i mean de really depending on the situation like for example there is this shoujo manga called my boy in blue um which is adorable but it's it it already has this premise of a very problematic start where you have this young girl high school girl being um a 
being partnered you know with an adult police officer right and you know i mean i'm all up for the omawari san they're all cute and all and so on mm. but of mm. course when you think about an adult being paired with a child that is you know it, it, within a modern context that already triggers like alarm bells you know historically Mm-mm. and especially culturally like even i would imagine not just in um you know greek settings or western mm. regency settings um even you know um what you call this uh man you know this wuxia yes wuxia that too yes yeah Wuxia. within a fictional space yes. right within an mm. imagined fictional space yes. um we know it has some cultural presets historical mm-hmm. presets but Mm-mm. within wuxia within this fictional space you know we're open to that but of course um it's a little hard or it's a little difficult when you know you can't really enjoy it when someone is you know breathing down your throat no you can't i mean do you encounter these kinds of um for example policing um in the danme fandom right now especially with modal sushi that are you know again signs of cultural tensions between asian fandom and you know those who are more aligned to western uh, ideas yes yes i've experienced that um though it's more of um yeah actually yes um but what i find funny about that is um when they were comparing two different um titles and their take on that is a bit i don't know i find it weird that they're fine with this same concept but i mean it's the same concept it's the same thing but then they're fine with this in a particular title and then they're not fine with this in this other title this other title makes them uncomfortable but the scenario is just basically the same without i would this imagine guy, that You're not saying the titles because there's still contentions. Uh, there's still like strong tensions between two. Let's just say, what does title A have that people are protesting to? Um, they think that the the relationship is basically this: two figures who saved a younger person's life. There's a bit of age difference, but not really that huge. Mm-hmm. Um, they sort of, they're sort of like, um, it's not really a father figure, but this is the two people that the younger people were looking up to. And this particular title, this other, per, this title B, um, adopted sort of this younger person to protect him because he got orphaned and it, and that kind of thing and this person interprets and then they fall in love but that's a, there's a long process on how they fall in love it's almost the same premise as this one except um i they find this one more from more romantic and i go like and they say this one is more make makes them feel uncomfortable because it's that other person is like a father figure like some more like It feels like someone is grooming the older figure. It's like incestuous. Yes, that's 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 the that's the point that they're trying to make for this other particular title. And I go like, 
it's a goddamn the same thing. Like, mm. there's no difference. The other is just more political, more, more given a more political slant. This one's painted as a romance, as a, as a romance thing. It's more of this. The focus of this is romance. This is more political. The falling in love is just part of the entire thing. And I go like, it's just the same. Where are you? Why are you doing this? So I don't know. I don't know how they come up with that with that kind of perspective. But it's it's something you just go like stop and think. Are our reading comprehensions different? The do the way we look at things really that different when the basic premise is just the same? Yeah. So I um, find it really I mean, hard to understand yeah, yeah. when when it's the same thing. When you look at it, it's just that the other person, the, uh, this author decided to just go with a more political slant and just have the romance. Yes, it's there, but it's not the end all of the plot. While this one is the more romantic so, slant, where they're more fine with the romantic slant, go like, how are you doing? Why are you like this? I'm so sorry. It's just that sometimes I find those kinds of things weird when when you do, when you look at the bones of the thing that they're analyzing it has to be the same. It's the basic yeah. framework, I mean, the basic bones, it's, it's of, the same. Yeah. I mean, these kinds of tensions, it's, it's really hard to like... It's one of those things where you're wondering, are we really reading the same thing? My question now here is perhaps, you know, as you're reaching towards the end of the hour, my question now is how do we resolve this? I mean, not that, you know, we're burdened to resolve this. We, we've had years of fandom and I've realized um, upon our discussions and reflecting of our talks earlier, like, um, Roch mentioned earlier, you know, you're just basically ignoring them. That's that's our easiest response, right? Mm. But my question now is, I but if we really want to make fandom inclusive, how do we resolve to this? Because I find this kissim, I find this kissim very problematic, and I wish yes, there was something that we can do about and it. Also oxymoronic because you're trying to build an inclusive fandom by including these people who are insisting that your point of view in this fandom is invalid. Right. So you see, there, there's a like... disconnect between what they're saying that, oh, we're trying to be all-inclusive, we're trying to open people's yeah. eyes to the injustices of the world by being a complete and utter twat. Imposing <laughs> your own point of view on other people without considering their own points of view, their own cultural background, their own upbringing. Yeah. So, this is the hmm. reason why for me personally, the perfect connection, uh, the perfect solution to this problem is to disconnect. I refuse to engage with these fans who refuse to look at my point of view. I'm perfectly fine with that. I can find other fans who are more open and sincere in their interaction with people in the same fandom coming from a different culture. And that is like how our response has been, right? Like we exactly. have our corner of the internet, which is quite weird because, you know, um, one of these academics is basically saying, you know, we are all we are all connected by our affinity for this particular fandom. We all fell in love with, let's say, Model Sushi because we all found um, 
the story was compelling. The story was compelling, you know, we find the two boys. We all got into like Hikaru no Go because, you know, there are emotions shared when people disappear, right? Um, mm. And all of us cried at the same time. All of us felt something and that feeling connected us. Whether you're part of this fandom at one end of the continent or in another end of another continent, right? Mm. But at the same time, the, the, the tension, the reaction, how we respond to this affinity divides us. And in the end, it is so strong and is so vile that our option is, I mean, we don't call it cancel culture. We just basically like ignore, right? You disengage. remember disengage. Like I remember in LJ, you basically unfriend the person, right? Or yeah. mm. you create, them, blah. you the leave the community, which you know, which is another you know um, drama in itself. You know, because if you leave the community, it means they won, right? And it's like, this is mm-hmm. our victory. And, and you know, it's, it's awkward to see that victory. It's like, it's not really a victory. I just don't want... And I mean, I guess for Asians, we're non-confrontational this way. It's also part of our culture. Yes. Right, right. right. Yeah. We, we are not the type to impose our culture onto other people. But at the same time, you know, I'm at this point where, no, we, we, we have to fight for it. Because at one, you are now, by virtue of basically displacing us by disconnecting us right we're no longer engaging into that healthy conversation which should help fandom move forward right which should make it more inclusive and it's like the more that these pockets of you know these corners are created i feel like on one end you have this cultural imperialism coming from the west sorry for the big words but you know all of these western ideas being imposed on us and then there's this counter-narrative, right, um, of, you know, because the West says this, you, know, you now have this rising movement in our own country where, like, well, basically, we don't take boys' love because boys' love does not represent our own gay experience, and it's not representative of our nation. Let's, or not even just boys' love, even fandom in general, like, I don't think the kids work mm-hmm. into anime and manga because that's, that doesn't represent our nation. Let's let's go into like I remember there was a big spat on like why engage with foreign culture when we haven't even engaged with our own. And then you now have this very nationalist fan base that seeks to kind of like place you in this peg of like you have if you want to be into comics or if you want to be into writing you have to fit into that national peg. And then where does that leave us, right? You have the Western people saying you cannot. You have the people in our own country saying, you know, you cannot. And then here we are, fans of anime, manga, and fandom, in the middle, can't move, who've been said everything we've been doing is wrong. And one of the most painful things that I encountered, and it's hard, and I think... Roch and Rael were with me when this happened. Um, we were talking with, um, we were planning for our own convention. We were talking with some people. And I remember one artist and I said, well, you know, how do you wish to contribute? Maybe you would like to produce um, this particular artwork, Boys Love artwork. And then this artist said, 
I don't want to do boys love artwork because um, it's wrong. Boys love is wrong. As a woman, it's wrong for me to depict, you know, men's bodies. And that's why I'll only do Yuri instead. And I, I find it quite interesting because it's not like the person used um, lesbian mm. as a term. It was very specific to Yuri. Mm. I only do Yuri. I don't do Yaoi. Right? And this is not the first artist. When I heard that, I'm like, why not? I remember in a conversation with this artist, I asked, like, well, so why are you not doing Yaoi? Why deliberately choose Yuri? Is it because you identify with lesbian culture, etc.? It's like, no, not necessarily. I just felt it wrong for me to create Yaoi because, you know, there's a part of the world that's basically said it's wrong to consume, to produce Yaoi because I'm a woman and that's supposed to be something for gay men. And that's an entire drama altogether. And that's probably where that's that's another podcast that Tom and I did, you know. Um, but the thing is, it this is wasn't just one instance. And part of my research involved going to different um, comic events in Southeast Asia, and increasingly, a lot more fans, female creators, are shifting from yaoi to yuri. And nothing's bad about that. But I think what I find problematic is when they said, I don't want to do yaoi because yaoi is wrong. Is wrong. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that just like, for me, that unpacks an entire history of saying Fujoshi culture is wrong, Fujoshi bait is wrong. And which is weird because in my research, at least in Japan, Yaoi was a source of empowerment for women, you know, yeah. because they could not control their bodies. Mm. They used bodies that had more freedom than they did. And these were men bodies, male, men's bodies. Yeah. So, you know, there's that bittersweet thing here, the, the impact of this cultural tension, you know. Um, in our effort to disengage, we are also, you know, I mean, I also disengage. I don't want to deal with that drama. I don't want my Twitter notifs going mad saying, da 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 you know? <laughs> it's like, I'd rather be viral for something shippy, you know? <laughs> rather than, <laughs> than being viral, you know? But imagine the tension for that. Like, we've seen some of, we've lost friends because of it. We've also seen our <laughs> friends harassed because of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the best? Is there a solution beyond, like, if we don't want to disengage, what is our next, what can we ask from people who probably come from a different cultural point of view? Be open. But sometimes sometimes <laughs> it's okay to actually, some of them are receptive to actually discuss what is the difference as to why you're actually, why is this your perspective? or where you're coming from it does work sometimes it's hard especially when the other person is really set on their views but i find it that sometimes you really have to stand firm on what you actually believe in and explain on why this is your perspective 
And sometimes, I know, it's kind of hard, but sometimes you have to be, you have to have a firm hand when they try to impose their views on you. You have to make them back off. I think that works more for more for I don't know for a lot of Western fans. I think they when you let them walk all over you, they'll just do that. And I think sometimes you just because as you've said, we're non-confrontational, but sometimes you have to just you know you know use your diplomatic skills, but with a firm hand and. I don't know. If you really, yeah, you have to do that sometimes. It, okay, from my point of view, short of starting a cultural revolution and burning and looting everything, I think my most practical, my most practical suggestion is learn the language of the source material you are a fan of. Part of yeah, the reason I why I uh, find it very easy to get into the Japanese mindset is because I've learned the language. I took courses in college. I spent two years living and working in Japan to learn the language to the point that if it's, you know, um, a very, very Japanese style in joke in a four panel Twitter comic, I get it. And I'm, I'm you know, compared to someone coming in from the cold and reading it and saying, oh my God, this is super offensive. No, there's layers to it and it's not offensive if you come from a Japanese point of view. So for someone from a more Western perspective who wants to get into Chinese danme, Japanese BL, South Korean manhwa, you at least try to learn the language so that you understand the context of what the uh, contents are for the market that they're meant for and you know the point mm. of view of the author yeah sometimes it's not just if you can't learn the language not everyone can actually learn the language but i mean you know, there are reading something academics. about the background of that culture know know the culture i mean you can't actually know the culture without you don't have to really understand the language because learning the language is kind of hard i understand that if you do try to learn the language one way or another, you get a part of their culture. Sure, you're still terrible at Chinese, but in your attempt to actually learning the language, even if you fail, you, you would get a bit of nuances as to why certain things are. So maybe just learn the, lang the, the culture as well. If you can't learn the language, try to get the background of the culture of Ra why the people are doing that. Yeah, thank you. Um, Raelle, you wanted to see something? Yeah, uh, my spin on what Roch and, and, and uh, Creamy was saying is that, uh, as I said earlier, I think, I, I don't know if it, you heard it, I said it is be open. Uh, do not, uh, in, in my personal experience though, so, uh, if I don't know, I, 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 I make it a point to know to ask why is it like this why is it like that in Roger's uh, in Roger's case she learned the language she lived in in Japan and in Kumisei's case she said that you have to read something about the culture it's it's actually as easy as that if if it, I know that 
I'm I, I'm 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 from I'm from the Philippines. I'm a Filipino, and I'm reading something from from Korea, something from Japan, something from China. There are nuances in those cultures that I am not uh, I'm not privy to as a Filipino. So I I, I extend myself into learning or, or or at least knowing something about those cultures before I do uh, 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 um, express my opinion if something is you know amiss or or not or understand why why is it like that why is it why did they put it like this or what's the context and how they do uh, or how, how why is it written like that i think in 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 fandom uh being open to 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 other cultures or uh, uh, beyond what you know will expand and you know uh will expand but will expand your knowledge uh will also enrich your experience and at the same time uh um probably give you a weapon or a shield to you know know where you stand and you know that when people say what you think is wrong oh that's your opinion and this is mine and i can stand there because this is what I know. This is what I learned when I do, and I, I, I learned, I, I read something from, from a different culture. So uh, I know culture, cultural imperialism, is it there? Yes. Uh, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's there. Uh, I know uh, we are privy to that. We, we experience that, but because we are, I can extend myself in terms of reading, uh, reading or learning about new cultures and 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 the others. I can say that oh, this is what they're trying to to say that's wrong, and this is really what what is in 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 the terms of context for the Chinese or Japanese. This is what really is. So I could say that they're pushing something that that's that's not supposed to be in 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 the source material. So yeah. yeah. And do you yeah, have but any that's thoughts? why I emphasize language because even translators yeah, they try I, to I impose agree. their own point of view on their translations. So yeah. for you, if you are genuinely, you know, interested in the culture of the contents mm. you're consuming, then you try to read it in the language where it was written and for the audience it was written for, because. I mean, I, I, I suppose you're aware of all of these fandom wars between translation circles and uh, scanlation oh, yeah. circles arguing over the translation of particular texts. So for me, yeah. to get rid of the drama, just read the original manga in Japanese. No, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I know I'm overly simplifying, yeah. but I feel that, you know, like short of having an entire generation of children unlearn their cultural superiority then the simplest would be learn the language hmm. okay hmm. and yeah i think um at the start when you are a fan of something it starts with a certain level of curiosity certain level of interest that is why you're into that that fandom that 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 drama that that work that novel and you know that you have to understand that once that thing or that thing that was created by someone is out there, it's open to everybody's interpretation. And it depends on where that person comes from, where that interpretation would actually um, stem from, uh, what the root of, of all of that is. Uh, my, my take on that is to actually like take things 
uh, wherever you wherever it, it came from and to be curious enough to actually learn why it was written so mm. why it could be interpreted as such why my take on it is different from someone else's and actually accept the fact that you know it's out there anyone can actually it could mean something from anyone because that person didn't come from the same place as you are the same situation as you are in right now and it could be different tomorrow it could be it could have been different yesterday yeah. you have to have that certain level of um, understanding certain level of tolerance if you if you want to use that word where you actually be open to accept whatever it is that is out there and whatever interpretation that person has and some some sort of come to a certain balance or a certain level of harmony wherein you're not imposing anything. It's just that that's how that other person thinks it is supposed to mean. And it means different from you. And just because it means different doesn't mean that, you know, each of your perspectives are wrong. It's just that that's how you're supposed to take things um, in the sense that you are not supposed to impose anything. Like, that's where everything starts when you say you're right, I'm wrong. Or I'm wrong, you uh, or you I'm know right. I'm right and you're wrong. Uh, that's where the clashes start. And I think I don't know where that certain level of superiority comes from. It could be cultural, it could be intellectual. You know, I'm smarter than you, or I know I've read a lot from you. I know I know this more than you. That that level of superiority comes from when, in fact, just because you know something, you're supposed to share it. And not impose the fact that you are greater than that person or greater than anyone else's. And it's that thinking that where the clash comes from, where where that um you should say conflict comes from, that tension comes from. And to take away that tension is to actually understand, you know, he may think it's wrong because he may have he may have thought of something that made it wrong, but in my perspective it's not wrong. But that doesn't mean that we have to be arguing about it so you can just you know bring out your point and then bring out his point and then okay let's respect each other's point so it's, it's also a certain level of balance and respect that you have to have that mm -hmm. that everybody's point of view is different and that you have to accept that and not everything is just right or wrong there are still gray areas i know in, in our in fujoshi in, in in bl there are a certain level of gray areas where the arguments come from and I think a certain level of respect is needed for those tensions to be, you know, mm -hmm. decreased, if not uh, ultimately erased. So that's my take yeah. on that. So I think you, whatever you, you, fandom you come from. Yeah. 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 yeah go ahead. Um, yeah, you, you, you mentioned like a very important word that I think a lot of fans forget, and that is respect. Like this we can agree to disagree and we have to yeah. Um, yeah. respect that disagreement and that um we can you know respect the space respect the um practices that are important to different people um yeah. and we can give them that space and i think that's that's the hardest part that we see now because of the way we understand the world now like in our should hate this word in our generation of fandom 
<laughs> these kinds of things. You just admitted we were old. <laughs> they don't know which generation. Yeah. But there were already hints earlier. Yeah. There were already hints earlier. <laughs> but um, but in our generation of fandom, there was actually leeway, right? There was time yeah. for yeah. us to process this because you know, I mean, our internet connections wasn't great. There weren't instantaneous sources of information and so mm-hmm. our thirst for other and, cultures and also social media wasn't a thing back then so yeah. you know the barrage of conflicting I mean, opinions doesn't hit you in the face yeah and it doesn't the 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 opposing the debates so to speak or the or mm-hmm. how twitter says it the discourse you know um which I don't like you saying because anyway, discourse. that's another story. But what I mean it's is, it's not a discourse. It's there's not... no discourse happening in that. There's no discourse. So it's just harassment. Discourse. It's just harassment. Um, but yeah, you know, exactly. it's not. Back then, it wasn't instantaneous. There were, if we were in a community like in Live Journal, or if we were on a mailing list, there was room Babe, for bulletin you know, boards. Bulletin boards was where it was happening back then. Uh, BBS. Bulletin boards. <laughs> or, I mean, some of you might be familiar with like Aaron Fantasy or so on. But what I mean is there was time to process. And, you know, people will be, people were able to digest, you know, what is this idea and what is not. And, you know, um, but at the same time, because those spaces were not permanent you know i mean these were like what fan owned spaces that died when the owner was no longer into that fandom right they disappear mm. from the internet they don't pay True. for the service anymore etc um like the wonderful aestheticism.net you know that outlined what is your oi what is sean and i and so on exactly. we knew what that was but the generation after they didn't you know they weren't able to see that connection because aestheticism.net does not come out in the Google search when they type mm. the And that, you know, true. Wikipedia doesn't even have a very cohesive term for it. That's another, you know, politics altogether you know, in terms of, you know, meaning, etc. But I agree that I think in order to really be comfortable, to really, you know, at least find this tension at a very comfortable level where we can have a healthy discussion on cultural differences. I think mm. there needs to be, as many of you said, a level of respect. Yeah. If you want to do that through learning the language, if you want to do that um, by reading books, you know, if you want to do that by engaging with academics who do research on it online, or if you want to do that by maybe just talking with the purveyors of that culture. Like if you actually talk to, you know, a Dan Mei fan, a Chinese Dan Mei fan who can converse well in English, maybe that's the start, right? Or maybe a Fujoshi, um, you know, from Japan, or not even maybe someone who's just well-versed in Japanese culture, you know, it's an opportunity to talk and engage with it rather than, oh, no, this is what I think what this culture is and not, you know, and, you know, this is what it shouldn't be and this is why it is wrong. Because I think mm-hmm. by virtue of saying that it's wrong, it's on one end 
as a researcher, I appreciate it. As a cultural researcher, I appreciate it because when you try to control something, new things emerge. You know, I mean, yeah. that's fascinating. But at the same time, that also highlights, you know, this growing disconnect rather than this growing connection among facts. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 uh, I Kirsten, with what you said, the growing connection. I, I mean people are rather than limiting themselves and you know um saying that this uh, this is what this culture is supposed to be because this is my experience we we uh, we're actually missing the opportunity to engage with and learning new 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 cultures you mentioned it before like uh you uh, you learn more if you engage with somebody who is you know um well-versed in the language, like a, a, a Chinese person or a Chinese speaker who is really into Danmei or, or, or yeah, reading up on it or just being in, into a, in a situation where you can talk and engage with people. Rather than limiting, why not see it as an opportunity to, you know, broaden your, 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 your knowledge and, and your engagement with fandom? So, so with that, ladies, thank mm -hmm. you very much for your time. Mm -hmm. um, I appreciate um, this little tete-a-tete -tete we have. On, little? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's little. It's technically an R of our source of recording. Um, My but, favorite guest in this podcast is uh, your cat, Kim Chi, meowing uh, in the background. I'm, I'm not sorry for that. I cannot hold my cat. Well, no, my cat is held accountable for one, you know, breakup. But um, other than that, yes, <laughs> he's now yeah. demanding for attention. So again, ladies, thank you so much for your time. No thank worries. you for your Happy time. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully, um, next time I'll try to drag a couple of uh, local friends, um, some Singaporean friends who are very big into Danmei fandom. Yeah, and, sure. You know, it'll be a new perspective because they're Chinese, ethnically Chinese, but also Western educated. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. I'd love to hear their ideas as well. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm open to learning something new from them. So again, thank you, ladies. The scale and diversity of fandom is growing as our world continues to be interconnected. There are lessons being learned on representation, on the importance of space and diversity in expression. But there is this whiteness, a quote-unquote Western mindset that continues to fragment the community rather than unite it, one that polices new one's expressions of desire and, of course, entertainment. As you heard in this podcast, some of us who come from Asia are disengaging with the West because it is ruining our fun. Southeast Asians are one of the largest participants in Anglophone fandom, yet some of us feel disconnected in the space we ideally should be sharing with the world. We're creating our safe corners online. If anything, this conversation is a reflection of our safe space among friends who have grown tired of people imposing their Western ideals, practices, and morals on the media that we consume. Not that we are saying Asian culture is perfect, but at least allow us to recognize our problems and find ways to sustainably enrich a healthier cultural space. 
In my time as a scholar, having met fandom friends here and there, some of whom are Asians living abroad or Caucasian friends who have been great allies in embracing this diversity by studying these cultures as scholars or translators, we too feel that the domination of Western frameworks in fandom is disempowering many. If our fantasies is our space to explore our freedoms, it is disheartening when doors are forcefully closed because of cultural differences. So I hope with this podcast, our conversation serves as a voice in this fan space. And we hope that change does happen in fandom as we learn to respect our diverse cultural expressions. This is a difficult process. For us who are stepping out of our safe havens, we are making ourselves vulnerable to toxic behavior in hopes that maybe just one person would bother and listen. To be honest, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Social classes, especially our economic classes, privilege the face of fandom as well. But let's work on that another time. Let's treat this wound first. Thank you for listening to FujojoCast, and I hope we can start the conversation. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, my username is at Kristen, and on my website, Otakuchamplu. Thank you very much for listening, and hope to hear from you soon. Quiet,